Good morning, Sunrise. Good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing this morning? Great. Happy Easter. It's good to have you guys with us on this beautiful, sunny, a little chilly, but sunny, happy Easter morning. Why don't you guys stand with us? I want to welcome all of you guys online as well with worshiping with us. I want to start things off this morning with all of us engaged in our call to worship. I'm going to have some words up on the screen. This is all based out of Psalm 118, so I'll read the first line. You guys can participate in reading the second line together, and then we'll worship. Let's sing. So here, let's, let's read these words together. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. The stone rejected by the builders has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous to see. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad. Amen. Let's sing together. The Lord is risen today, Alleluia. Sons of men and angels say, Alleluia. Raise your joys and triumphs high, Alleluia. Sing ye heavens and earth reply,
good, yeah. Victory. 
The king of love had given up his life The darkest day in history There on a cross they made for sinners For every curse his blood atoned One final breath and it was finished But not the end we could have known For the earth began to shake and the veil was torn What sacrifice was made As the heavens roll All hail King Jesus All Oh, hey. 
pray together. Lord, death could not hold you. And because of you and the resurrection, we too can live. God, thank you that the grave is not only... God, it, the grave is a place, a journey into the presence of God. You have moved the sting of death and empowered this thing called life. God, now we can live in your presence forever. Lord, please pour your spirit afresh on us today. May your resurrection, your resurrecting power shine forth in our lives. We honor you today, Jesus. We say all hail, King Jesus. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. You guys can take a seat. Good morning. My name is Carissa, and I am just excited to welcome you here this morning. Uh, thank you for spending your Easter morning here at Sunrise. And it's just good to be together and celebrate Easter. Um, I, I love the music that we sang this morning, and it's just awesome to be able to worship together. Um, we do have some exciting things coming up that I want to tell you about, um, but First, I just want to draw your attention, if you are visiting for one of the first times, if you're here in person, there should be a QR code somewhere near you on a chair in front of you. If you scan that with your phone, then it'll bring you to a form just to fill out a little bit of information so that we can get to know you better and also thank you for coming and joining us this morning. If you are watching online, then there will be a link popping up or maybe already has, um, and you can just click on that link. And again, fill out the information. We'll send you a gift later in the, in the mail later this week. And uh, just want to get to know you better. Um, after the service today, we have an Easter egg scavenger hunt. And after you get your donuts at the close of the service, if you just make your way out the main entrance, you'll see everything set up on the front lawn there. So we'd love for all of our kids to join in. And it looks like there's lots of fun stuff even for our Adults and older kids, too. So make your way out uh, on the front lawn after the service. Um, also, tomorrow evening, we have any women are invited to gather for wine and theology. It'll be at 7 p.m. Stephanie Fisher leads that. Um, there's some more information there if you want to get in touch with her. But join us if you've gone in the past or just for the first time, and it's a great night for women to just talk together. It's informal um, and just a, a great way to get to know each other. Also, uh, this is coming up quickly with Easter being so late this year. Mother's Day is just around the corner. So just wanted to let people know that on Mother's Day, which is May 8th, we will once again have donuts. There will be a photo booth, um, crafts for kids, all sorts of uh, neat stuff. So want to make our mothers feel appreciated and loved and valued. So please just keep that um, on your calendar and keep that in mind. Right now, we want to give time for people to say hello to each other. So we'll take a couple of minutes, stand up, greet some people around you, wish them a happy Easter, grab some coffee in the back if you'd like, and say hello. Good morning and happy Easter, everybody. All right, you extroverts, stop talking and sit down. <laughs> Happy Easter, everybody. My name is Dan Fisher, and it's really great to see you here today. Whether you've been here for a while or today is your first time here, I know that some of you are here having watched us online for a while. Uh, thanks for being here. We're super excited that you are here with us today. And this is Easter. Of all of the days of the year, this is the day that defines followers of Jesus the most. There's Christmas, and we celebrate that, and we think it is a great day, and for good reason. It is. We celebrate Good Friday together, 
And we point to that as a day to remember the work of Christ on our behalf. And it is a good and beautiful day, but it is Easter that defines us most as a people who follow Jesus. And this morning, I simply want to guide us through a conversation that helps us see that and hopefully helps us set the compass of our life just a touch differently so that we become, as we say here at Sunrise, a group of people who transform this world with God's grace and with his love. And we believe the pinnacle of that grace and love is expressed on Easter morning. So join me in prayer as we start this conversation. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the day where death seems to have won, and yet it was the life and the power of God that came and resurrected the Son of God on our behalf. God, we thank you for this gift of joy, this gift of love that is beyond anything that we could hold in our hands or in our minds. And God, I pray that this morning this would be something that we can sit in that would be like a fingerprint that is placed on our lives so that we look and function differently in this world for the sake of you and your people. In Christ's name, amen. So our guiding question this morning is this. I don't know if you can see it very well there in the bottom right-hand corner. I tried to do a little bit of an Eastery theme with the colors. Maybe you can't see it. If you cannot, it says, what does Christ's resurrection mean to me? Instead of coming to Easter as simply a day where we're figuring out how we can fit everyone around our tables and what Easter meant a long time ago in the timeline of history and of religious thought, the question that we really should be asking ourselves is this, what does the resurrection of Christ mean to me? And in that question, we, it's as though we pull the, the chair the, that the episode of Christ's resurrection sits in closer to ourselves, and we sit and we look it in the face and we ask a question that allows this episode to define who we are, which is a perfectly fitting thing to do because it's the writers of the Gospels and it is God himself who puts this story into the timeline of history so that it would define who we are and it positions every human being at the foot of this story being pushed to answer the question, what does this resurrection mean to you? Now to help frame this conversation, I want to introduce a new word to you that was actually created by J.R.R. Tolkien back in 1944. J.R.R. Tolkien was trying to figure out how to communicate a level of joy that was so great, but it was somehow at the very same time so devastating that as it hit the reader of his works, they felt both devastation but also an extreme sense of joy. And so he created a word, taking the, uh, a prefix from a Greek word and smushing it together with an English word, you, E-U, and catastrophe, you catastrophe, E-U meaning good, catastrophe meaning coming apart. And he writes in a letter to his son that this word becomes valuable for him because it is what helps him finish the Lord of the Rings, to create for the reader this feeling of even though the world is coming apart and there is no redemption that can come from this evil that has overcome the story of the Lord of the Rings, there from out of nowhere comes a sense of freedom and of life that brings redemption. Let me illustrate this for you a little bit. How many of you have heard of the story Sleeping Beauty? Yeah, this story's old. Like, it's older than Mike Dorn. (laughs) A version of this story was first found in the 1300s, written in French, and it's the story of this girl who is born to a king and a queen, and there are all different variations of the story, but in one of the variations of the story that is earliest, this princess is born to a king and a queen. And there are multiple fairies that come along, and one of the things that happens in this story is that this princess is cursed. She goes and she visits an older woman who is spinning with a spinning wheel and a needle, and she pricks her finger, and she's cursed. The story unwinds, and it tells us that what happens as a result of her being pricked by this evil woman's spinning wheel 
is that she has to fall asleep for 100 years. And so for 100 years, the hope of the kingdom is asleep in a bed. And as the reader continues to read what's happening, we find out that one of the fairies decides that it would be a good thing to help this queen feel welcomed and loved when she wakes up by having the entire kingdom fall asleep with her. And so in the story of the Sleeping Beauty, you have 100 years of this princess that is to bring hope and freedom to her kingdom asleep with all of her subjects. And yet this prince comes along and wakes her up through a kiss. And it is that moment that a kiss is given where the death of this princess for a hundred years, this death of a kingdom for a hundred years is vanquished and comes back to life and this princess is able to rule and to rule her kingdom the way that it should be ruled. And in this story, you begin to sense what it means to have a you catastrophe in a story where all hope seems to have been lost. We transfer this over to the picture of Good Friday. Good Friday, it seems as though the power of sin and death has completely won. It has given Jesus the kiss of death that cannot find a way of an escape. And yet what happens is that on Easter morning, the God of heaven comes and he brings life to the prince of heaven and offers life to his royal subjects. And in this we find a giving of life that is so great, that brings with it such a sense of ooh, of goodness, that it breaks us apart. It hits us when we hear this story for the first time in its fullness as though an arrow has pricked our hearts and we are fallen apart with a sense of great joy. And so in Mark, I want us to read this story. I'll read this to you in Mark chapter 15. Mark is a person who believed that Jesus was who the scriptures say that he was. And Mark decided to write down some of the things he saw and heard about Jesus so that we could see and hear through these stories who Jesus is. And Mark writes these words for us. When Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, Who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? Very practical question. We have these ointments that we want to put on this dead body. To get to this body, this stone has to be moved. Who's going to do that? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, was rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. And they were alarmed. Don't be afraid, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. It's right here. But go tell his disciples and Peter, he, Jesus, is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. If you know much about the timeline of Scripture, you can see a a sketch of it here on the walls, you know that the story of God's love for the world meets all kinds of hurdles and deep valleys along the way. A friend of mine recently reminded me that as you read the story from beginning to end, it almost seems as though it's like an accordion. At the very beginning of creation, God's love and his people, the group of people whom he loves and wants to save and works through, is everyone. It's huge. But then as the failures and the travesties and the power of sin and death come and haunt God's people, the number of those people who seek to follow God and through whom God wants to work seems to shrink. It shrinks to the people who are freed from bondage in Egypt, 
who make their way across the Red Sea through an exodus. It shrinks to the point where it seems as though there is no one, the minor prophets say, who are going to follow the God of heaven, and they seem to have no hope except for the Son of God who would one day come and free them. And Jesus comes and he wraps around him not 12 million disciples, but 12 disciples. This circle of people who God seems to be teaming together with is now just this small group of people. And we inch into the season of Lent where Jesus walks for 40 years before he gets to, sorry, where we celebrate 40 days walking up to the point where Jesus is crucified. And in those 40 days, even the 12 disciples of Jesus take a step back away from him so that on Good Friday, the two characters who seem to be present in the story of God's movement in the world is Jesus on the cross and the plurality of the chief priests and Jews who are crying out for Jesus to be crucified. And in this story, we see God choosing to work through one person. Jesus Christ, his son. And on Good Friday, the hope of the world, the one person through whom God seems to be willing to work, we find Jesus killed. And we come together on Good Friday and we celebrate and we reflect on the fact that the Messiah himself has come and been killed by the power of sin and death. And yet two days later, this power that has been existing in the world since before creation comes alive and finds its way down the dusty roads of Jerusalem, through the hallways of the city, to the tomb where Jesus lies, and it brings Jesus back to life. Resurrecting the Son of God, who is the King of Heaven, the Prince given for us, so that He could step out of the tomb and be found among the living. Not just to simply leave, but to offer every reader of this story the opportunity to be part of the number of people through whom God wants to work to continue to bring life to His world. And so the question, what does this resurrection mean to you, becomes much more than just a cognitive decision. Because it's the example of Jesus that we as followers of Jesus are invited to live into. When we live lives of suffering, when we experience the chaos and the power of sin, of brokenness and of death in this world, and it seems as though our own lives have been stuffed into a dark, cavernous space where we are all alone. What is the power we are seeking to bring us life, to bring us hope? For followers of Jesus, that power, that goodness, comes from the same power, the same goodness of the God of heaven that raised Jesus from the dead. And so, follower of Jesus, asking the question of you this morning, what does this resurrection mean to you? I hope your answer is that it brings you your identity, that it brings you your orientation to life, We can often get this wrong. Our orientation toward life, even as followers of Jesus, can be to accumulate power and to hold on to it and to protect it from those who might take it away from us. But that's not the story we find in Jesus. We find the story of a man who walks willingly through the chaos and the difficulties of life, is touched by death, is overcome by chaos, and instead of holding on to his power, he gives it up for the sake of others. And in that brings life. So follower of Jesus, as you look at this resurrection story, what are you doing with your power? And on whose power is your life depending
A very similar situation for those of us who don't follow Jesus, whether we're considering to do so or we said, you know what, that's a, that's a decision that's now in the rearview mirror of my life. I'm not coming back to it. There is still something you must grapple with in this story. If Jesus is not God, then what you simply have here is the story of a human who died on the cross unfairly and was perhaps resurrected again. And this is a story that you can just cruise on by. But if you haven't taken the time to look at this story, I want to create space right now for you to consider what does this resurrection mean to you? Perhaps you have been trying to find life in your own power. You have been that sleeping beauty trying to wake yourself up from what seems to be a hundred years of sleep, of unconsciousness, of not being able to live fully into who it is you've been designed to be. And you cannot wake yourself up from that slumber. Let me suggest to you that perhaps what you need in your life to wake you up from those years of sleep, of being unfulfilled, of feeling like you have been devastated, not being able to live as you have been designed to live, perhaps what it is you need to find is in this story. Perhaps just a a subtle shift, beginning to ask the question, is Jesus who the gospel writers who this Mark says that he is? Is it possible that the power of the God of heaven is strong enough to overcome the chaos of my own life, the failures of my own life, the abuses that have been done to me so that I can find life and meaning and hope and freedom from someone outside of this world? This is the message of Easter. This is the story of Easter. We see it out in our own yards. Although it seems that the winter has taken over all of the life that the trees and the ground could offer, the tulips still come up. Baby calves are born. The buds come out on the trees. Life comes even after it seems death has won. Could it be that this resurrection story of a man who was the son of God named Jesus who seemed to be overcome by the power of death and yet comes back to life just like your tulips, just like your dogwood trees, is true? And if it is true, perhaps this Jesus can continue to offer a power in your own life that helps you to bring life to the world around you. Followers of Jesus, that is the good news of the gospel, that even though there is death in our own lives, there is a power, there is a life that is strong enough to overcome that, that is able to overcome our own internal fighting, that is strong enough to overcome our political differences in this country, that is strong enough to make it so that when we sit at our Easter tables, we can actually talk to each other. There is a power that is even stronger than that, that anchors our feet and our souls deeply, not just into the soil of West Michigan, but into the story of God that spans all of time and all places. And I don't know about you, but I am looking for, and I think all of us are looking for a meaning and an anchoring point that is strong enough and deep enough to carry us through those dark caverns of life where it feels like the power of death is too strong. Amen. So the question is, what does the story of the resurrection mean to you? What does this story of the Son of God who came and gave his life to the point of losing his life mean to you? What does it mean to you that the power of God was strong enough to overcome the power of sin and death? As you join us outside later for an Easter egg scavenger hunt, as you slice into your perfectly cooked lamb chops or ham or whatever it is that you've made, enjoy those things. 
Perhaps you can ask yourself the question, what does this recipe that my grandmother put together, how do I get that? But don't fly by the question of what does this resurrection mean to me? The entire structure of Scripture, the Old and New Testaments, are written to bring us to this point. Not to decide that the resurrection means something to you is to decide that it doesn't mean anything to you. Not to decide yes is to decide no. The beauty of this story is that it places us in a point where we have to make a decision. So I want you to do that. I want you to either say, yes, this resurrection is something that for me redefines my life. Maybe I'm someone who's already let it redefine my life, and yet I'm not living in a way where I'm giving up my power for the sake of others, where I'm not looking to the power of heaven to guide my life. If that's the case, that's okay. I'm right there with you. Maybe now is the time. Maybe today is a day where you can just decide again, you know what, I'm going to look at my priorities again and reorient myself so that I'm using my power and my life in light of the power of the resurrection. Maybe some of you for the first time need to just simply do a little bit of a reverse in life and go back to the place where you first looked at Easter with a sense of clarity and a sense of honesty. Maybe you need to step away from what it was you learned in the churches or the Christian schools that you grew up in and just sit and wrestle with the story that's written in the Gospels. I don't normally push this group of people to make a decision on a particular Sunday morning. But I want to do it today because it is this story that defines followers of Jesus. It's this story that gives us hope in those dark nights of the soul where we are at college and we feel like there is no way forward, where we feel like our kids who just will not go to sleep they will not do what they're supposed to during the day, are sucking the life out of us. It's stories like this that help us see that a new day is coming, that new life is coming. Which, by the way, is why sunrise is called sunrise. Because no matter how dark your night has been, no matter the tomb it feels like you have lived in, There is a new day coming. And the story of Scripture, the story of followers of Jesus, extends beyond Easter. Yes, Easter is the ultimate moment that we come to where we recognize and see the power that God offers coming into spaces of death. But what that does is it reorients all of our lives so that we can continue to live past Easter in the same kind of way that Jesus lived up to and through Easter. And so if you're thinking about whether or not you want to come back next week, the answer is yes, you do. (laughs) Because there's life after Easter. And we're going to talk about that. What does the story of resurrection mean to you? Let me close with this prayer. Jesus, you paid the debt of Adam for us to the eternal Father by your blood poured forth in loving kindness. You cleared away the darkness of sin by your magnificent and radiant resurrection. You broke the bonds of death and rose from the grave as a conqueror. You reconciled heaven and earth. Our life had no hope of eternal happiness before you redeemed us. Your resurrection washed away our sins, restored our innocence, and brought us joy. How inestimable is the tenderness of your love. We pray you, Lord, to preserve your servants in the peaceful enjoyment of this Easter happiness. We ask this through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with God the Father in the unity of the Holy Spirit forever and ever. Amen. At the end of all of our services, we try to create a space where those of us who call this place home and those who are visiting can respond. 
we do that in probably ways that if you've stepped foot inside of a church previously, feel somewhat normal to you. We sing a song, and we give people an opportunity to give financially, to donate to the work of the church. You're welcome to do that here this morning. At the same time, those are not the only ways that you can respond. It is perfectly fitting to respond to stories like this, to moments where questions are being asked, to simply sit and wrestle internally, if that's what you need to do. It is good and appropriate to talk to your child, to talk to a neighbor, to listen to stories of life coming into the spaces of darkness. In whatever way you need to respond to the question of what does this resurrection mean to you, we hope that you will engage that. One of the ways we'll do that is through song.
like an accordion and it was big when the world was created and it narrowed to the point of seeing how God would work through the person of Jesus on the cross and in the resurrection then it's opened wide open again right now this is the story of the gospel that God moves toward his people there is life that comes after Easter and if Jesus shows us the way to live then the lives we live now come with a power that can help us to live differently Paul who transitioned his life away from living for himself and decided to live in the power of Jesus declared these words, that there is nothing, neither death nor life, angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's discover and use that power together in this Easter. Sunrise, we love you. Thank you for being with us today. He is risen. God bless you.